Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hello and welcome to the show. Um, Today we have a wonderful guest, Jeffrey Scott Steiner. He is the Executive Director of Dad's Resource Center, Central Administrator for Pennsylvania Greater Father Family Involvement Campaign. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Hello, Fazia. Thanks for having me. Absolutely my pleasure. It's always wonderful to have a different perspective. you know, th- this is a new topic for me. I, I I don't think a lot of people have heard about, you know, fathers advocating for time with their kids. It's usually the other way around. So um, I, I think it offers a fresh perspective on some social issues that we're dealing with these days. But before we get started on, on that, I'd like our listeners to hear more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about you and maybe your background and what got you started in doing this? Sure. Uh, I I um, graduated from the Indiana University of Pennsylvania uh, with a bachelor's in sociology uh, and started doing direct service. I worked in group homes with adjudicated youth as a family counselor for a couple of years before I spent about a decade uh, doing family preservation work, uh, basically social work, working with families that had at least one child at risk of being placed outside of their home uh, due to acting out or some issues within the home. Um, During that time, I got my master's degree in counseling education from Penn State University. So my first 15 years, I did direct service. I have a lot of experience working with the courts, the systems that deal with uh, the human services systems and the child welfare system. Um, I transitioned into doing uh, nonprofit work, being an executive director for nonprofits that benefit children. Uh, I had uh, worked with someone on a grant to try to open a family resource center up in Belfont, where we live in Pennsylvania, uh, and done some other things before I was hired in 2017 uh, to be the executive director of the Dad's Resource Center. Uh, Given my background, I worked with the the person who founded the organization uh, to build it up. So together, in partnership, uh, we, we've created the Dad's Resource Center. Um, so uh, I, I'm on a, in that role with the Dad's Resource Center. I serve it on a number of state-level organizations like the Pennsylvania Child Welfare Council. Uh, I'm one of, uh, as the executive director of the Dad's Resource Center, I'm one of the first members of the board uh, for a family uh, advocacy board for the Office of Child Support Enforcement for Pennsylvania. I also represent the Dad's Resource Center in our county, Center County, and the Center County Domestic and Sexual Violence Task Force. So there's a, I wear a lot of hats in this role. And as you said, this is something new, uh, and, and we're blazing new territory with what we're doing. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about um, how the Dad's Resource Center came about. How did, how did it get started? What, what, sure. what prompted it to get started? Sure, sure. So uh, Dr. Jolene Myers, uh, who is the founder and CEO of AccuWeather, uh, which is based here in State College. This is where Penn State is, where we live in, in this area. Uh, he had gone through some things uh, with uh, a divorce and issues with custody with children. Uh, and it took him a lot of time and resources to get things 
squared away. Uh, and when he was done, he, he saw the way things work for fathers on, directly on a firsthand basis. And he felt, okay, there are people who do not have my capacity to be able to muscle my way through all of this. And so I'm going to do something. You know, I'm going to start a, a, a dad's resource center to help these fathers who are uh, disadvantaged by the system. Uh, and so he founded the organization. He established it in 2015 uh, and then hired me. And like I said, we worked together uh, uh, to get it up and running. Um, uh, so that that's how the Dad's Resource Center came about. Okay. And is this um, just in Pennsylvania or have you expanded to other areas as well? Uh, we've started locally, Center County, like I said, the center part of the state and surrounding counties. But we operate pretty much at a state level because uh, there are differences within counties, how things work in the family courts and in the children and youth offices. But by and large, it's the same state system. So the, we're, we're, we have a state presence, a growing state presence, I guess is the best way of saying it. Uh, and of course, we have aspirations to be a national level organization to have uh, chapters in other states to be able to expand on what we're doing. Because again, this there's nothing really like this out there, uh, an organization that is just focused specifically uh, to do what we do. That is correct. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of any organization that does this. So this is this is definitely new territory. Um, so why is it important that fathers are actively engaged in the upbringing of their children? Why, why would, and I, I know personally why it's important. <laughs> I, I just want our, our listeners to hear that from your perspective. So if you, you wouldn't mind sharing that, that would be wonderful. Yes, ma'am. I, I've said it countless times. Uh, mothers and fathers give different but equally important things to their children. And their children need both of their parents uh, actively involved uh, in their lives and their upbringing so that they have the best chance of being successful in life. Now, just taking a sidestep before I come back to some of the research that we've done. Now, I can tell you in our family, uh, there are certain things that I, the, the girls get from me, you know, I'm the, my one daughter, I think she does is well in school because I'm the one who leans on her a little more with that. Uh, but at the same time, there are things that, you know, mom gives to her that I don't give to her, you know, so uh, parenting is a two person job. Uh, and if you look at it this way, they're 24 hours in a day. And if they sleep eight hours, that's two eight hour shifts. You know, so you got to tap in and tap out just functionally what you're doing uh, with your children, much less the different things that a mother and a father give to their children. But Dr. Myers, uh, he's a scientist by trade. He's a great entrepreneur, uh, but he, he's a meteorologist. And so he's really focused on the Dad's Resource Center doing research to try to highlight some of these issues. So we did an analysis of the National Longitudinal Survey of Youth. <laughs> 97, which is an ongoing database, which was established uh, with uh, children who were 13 to 18 in 1997 and tracked them over the years. And we took the latest update on that survey to see how they've done in the early portions of their lives, because they're now um, 35 to 41 years old. And in every metric we looked at, uh, children who grew up with their father in their home were doing better in life. So for example, uh, children who didn't have their father 
in their home when they grow up were 7% less likely to have graduated from high school. Uh, they were 11% more likely to have smoked. They were 11% less likely to have volunteered their time to the community. They were 13% less likely or uh, uh, more likely to have needed mental health treatment. 13% less likely to donate to a charity. 20% more likely to have used drugs. 26% less likely to have voted. 33% more likely to have intercourse before the age of 18. 43% less likely to graduate from college. And 71% more likely to have been convicted of a crime. And there are two other really big numbers that came from our analysis. Children who did not have their father in their home growing up were 94% more likely to have used government programs such as WIC, SNAP, or workers' compensation. And uh, children who grew up without a father in their home were making 26% less annually in their salary, uh, which is a pretty big difference between uh, making $59,000 a year and making $45,000 a year. And over the course of, of many years, that's your capacity to be able to raise your children up another level as a parent when you have children. So just fundamentally, uh, on uh, as citizens, uh, in terms of their health, their, their mental, uh, their well-being, and their ability to achieve in life, children just simply need their fathers to be active in their lives when they're growing up. So just to be clear to our listeners, we're not just promoting fathers take care of their children. We're promoting co-parenting. We're, we're promoting involvement of the father, whereas, you know, am I, am I correct in that assumption? Oh, absolutely. Ab- okay. Absolutely. Okay, because I just want to make sure that because the Dad's Resource Center sounds like it's promoting fathers, but it's not. It's promoting family unity. It's promoting uh, co-parenting. It's promoting what's best for the children. So, and this will help inform our discussion moving forward. I should have laid this down earlier. Um, There's no doubt in separated family situations that there are fathers who are malicious, who have issues, um, dangerous even, right? Um, and we're, we're fully supportive. We, we recognize the need for any kind of uh, domestic violence awareness or, or programs like that. And we recognize that there are fathers who walk away from their children too, right? Who aren't there and they should be there. Uh, but that isn't who we're, we're, we're a niche, right? The Dad's Resource Center is a niche, as you alluded to earlier. We're working with those fathers and, and a lot of separated families can work things out on their own. So they don't need intervention. And, it, and it, it's you know, it doesn't become an issue. We're working with those families where a father wants to be engaged in the life of their child and is unable to. A willing, able, and, and, and very much willing father is unable to do that. So that's who we're talking about here and just trying to get it to the point where they can play the role in their children's lives that their children need. And do um, individuals who use your services, do they have to pay for those services or is this a grant? Is this, uh, you know, how, how is it funded? Uh, well, as of now, no, there's no fee. Uh, what we don't, we're not there. Um, we're not doing therapy or counseling. We provide best practices, coaching and mentoring. And no, there's no fee to that. Uh, we have a couple of fathers who've been through this, who have some means and they want to pass it on, which is not uncommon for fathers who go through this. You know, they sure. want to be able to do something that makes a difference because they just know, the, the significant personal experience it's been for them, as well as 
at the end of the day, the children lose. So that's how we're supported at this point. Wonderful. Um, What are some of the challenges that single fathers face within the courts, county, and human services agencies? So again, uh, we have a focus on trying to, as best we can, quantify things and have data uh, to to point to these uh, issues that they face. So in 2019, we did a study uh, in Pennsylvania uh, in 14 counties of contested custody cases. So it was a total of 700 cases that we looked at. And these were cases where both the father and mother had come to the court and said, we want custody of our children. And the court had to make a decision. Uh, And out of these 700 cases, when a judge made a ruling, um, 69% of the custody time went to the mother, 31% of the time went to the father. So the father got less than a third of the, the time. The access to their children is what the mothers did in these contested custody cases. In of those 700 cases, the mother received full or primary custody in nearly 500 of them. The father received full or primary custody in 100 cases. And in only 104 of the 700 cases did the judge give shared parenting, right? Uh, joint custody. So we as a society, we tend to be deferential to mothers. Right. I know as a father and most fathers are deferential to mothers and this weeds over in so many places like the courts. And so when you get into uh, family court situations, the courts do tend to favor or lean towards the mother, mothers. Um, guardian ad litems are attorneys who are appointed by judges to look out for the best interests of their children, uh, of children um, who are either placed in the custody of the county or sometimes in contested custody cases. Um, In 2019, we surveyed all 67 counties in the state of Pennsylvania to get information on their use of their guardian ad litems. And what we found is that there's virtually no oversight or professional standards in terms of their hiring or reporting of their activity um, or their training. Uh, Basically, what they do is they bill the county for their work and come into court and talk. I mean, that, that's by and large what occurs. So there's not a lot of oversight there. Now, we bring this up because, and this is anecdotal, but a lot of the fathers we come to are, are relaying that there's an imbalance in terms of what the GAL does for the mother versus the father. And I do know the fathers that I've worked with a little more directly and intensely, I, I see where they're coming from with this. And so this is something that I think people know is an issue, but it's unmonitored and it, it continues. Another example is the misuse of protection from abuse orders. Uh, Now, again, this is something that people know this is used to gain uh, uh, advantage with uh, matters of custody, where someone will make an accusation. And because of, uh, rightfully so, again, the the need to take domestic violence very seriously, uh, an order will be uh, implemented, an emergency order that there's no contact. And then that resets custody uh, in a manner that oftentimes disadvantages the other parent, oftentimes fathers. And we've had a number of fathers who've come to us who've relayed this um, as being um, something that occurs. So last year, we reached out again to all 67 counties in the state of Pennsylvania to the district attorneys of those counties to see if their offices had prosecuted for providing false information. Uh, to a, a law enforcement officer, which is the prescribed way to address this situation per the General Assembly in the state of Pennsylvania. And most of those 
uh, a lot of those district attorneys said, well, this is just something that's impossible to prove. We can't do anything with it. Uh, but we did have some of them off the record who candidly said, this is an issue. We saw it when we were in pri a private practice and we see that now. So this is one of those situations that some sort of reform would be ideal to keep that from occurring. Um, because uh, if, if we take domestic violence seriously, we want it to be used in the, in the situations where it's uh, needed. Uh, and this is also something, again, that disadvantages parents generally, but fathers in specific. So there are all these, we take a holistic view of the many different ways that the system disenfranchises or keeps fathers from being in the lives of their children. And those are just some of those examples, some of the ways that we've tried to quantify that and illustrate that in some way in a, tan in a tangible manner. Yeah, I think what's really important is just having that co-parenting and having that, you know, cohesiveness that you need to, to live in a, in a healthy environment, you know, so I, I find it challenging that, you know, there's a lot of maliciousness behind, you know, behind the scenes. And, and I think that's very sad for, for the parents as well as for the kids. Um, but um, yeah, so when you're working with these individuals, how do you support them in their in their endeavors? So when they come to you and they say, you know, I think this, I don't know if it's a order of protection or whatever it is, if this has been placed and now our parenting has been reset, I have no contact, how do you support them? Well, you have to hear them. Um, and um, that means a lot. Uh, but one of the things I, I, I tell fathers, uh, you have to be willing to ask for help. Uh, men are go it alone by nature, and they're socialized to have that kind of attitude. And so it's hard for them to reach out. We've had multiple grandmothers, mothers, current wives, uh, fiancés, sisters reach out to us on behalf of fathers to get the ball rolling because it's so hard for fathers to be able to ask for help. So. Uh, you need to hear them and connect with them, be compassionate, uh, empathetic to them, um, and then connect them with the resources that are available to them to help them, uh, as well as connect them, uh, provide them with information if they're looking to be able to go to court themselves to get custody, uh, help them in terms of picking attorneys, because that's always very challenging for fathers. Uh, it, I refer to it as the rule of five. Anything that you do in life, you're going to have people who are really good, people who are good, people who are average, people who are a little bit below average, and people who are poor. And it's the same thing with attorneys. And a lot of fathers who are coming into their parents who come into a custody situation have never had to pick an attorney for this, this reason. And so, and they have limited means because it gets extraordinarily expensive. So they have what little money they have to put toward an attorney. They put it into an attorney who may not do a particularly good job with them. And then after a certain period of time when they run low on money, then the attorneys kind of ghost them because they have to fire them to get out of the case. And so helping them navigate through those types of situations. Uh, but what, a lot of things I, I, I often tell fathers, no one knows the mother better than you do. No one knows the children better than you do. And so I ask them to trust their guts and their instincts. And that's part of building them up too, uh, because uh, they come to you in such um, pain and agony and uncertainty. 
Um, their world has been turned upside down. So there are a lot of fathers that in different ways you have to build up and support them to help them uh, be able to make it through uh, this period in their life. So other than helping them maybe by listening to them and, and helping them choose uh, the right attorney, what other types of support systems do you have in place for the fathers? Well, you have, you have to go back to family if it's available. Um, and other friends, uh, church uh, is, is a, a lot of the fathers find um, uh, help or uh, a place to, to, to build from uh, in going uh, through their faith. Uh, we also, uh, there, and, and as I said, a lot of fathers are like, I need to do something. I need to make this mean something and be a part of this. So I am working with a group of fathers to start a father-led um, support group here in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, and that, that's something we've wanted to do from the outstart of, uh, since, since the inception of the organization. Um, so that's one thing that I'm working on uh, to help provide another layer of support for the fathers here in Pennsylvania. Um, does your organization ever offer financial support? Does, is there any, any kind of, you know, financial support structure in place for that? No, no, unfortunately, no. no. So what is somebody who, who comes to you and they, they don't have the funds to pay for an attorney do? Uh, at the end of the day, they, you know, they have to represent themselves. And that, that's something that I do the best that I can, uh, depending on what county they are. Uh, things are different uh, in terms of the process for uh, filing for custody. But I will help work with them. I'll do the homework to be able to go to the courts because the people, the system is overwhelming to people. Uh, and so if you can just do that aspect of it to say, okay, here's where the paperwork is, or I, I'll get it printed off and mail it to them. Uh, I've done that before um, so that they can fill the paperwork out and then let them know where to send it in. Um, and then also I, I, I go to court with the fathers because that can make a difference. And this is something I'm increasingly advocating for mm -hmm. is uh, judges tend to behave a little bit better if there are other people in the courtroom. Uh, and so uh, trying to rally the troops, you know, family, friends, church, uh, membership within the church, uh, to be able to go with fathers, to support them directly, uh, but also to let, uh, you know, everyone in the courtroom know that it isn't just some father out there, that uh, there are other people that are trying to uh, support him uh, going through what he's going through. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. Um, I think that's important for everybody going to court, having that uh, support system in place, knowing that you're not alone, knowing that, you know, what you're doing is 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 valuable and worth your time. Um, I think that's really, really important. Um, given all the challenges that they face, what are the experiences of the fathers that reach out to the Dad's Resource Center? Well, again, um, one of the, the, the buzzwords for the lack of better way of saying it in direct service right now is trauma, trauma-informed care. Uh, and I, sometimes when I'm talking to people about this, I, I offer to pay them $5 if they can relay one uh, uh, instance where a father has been uh, looked at from a trauma perspective. And I haven't had to pay up on that yet. And it's, um, there's nothing more fundamental to a man uh, being the foundation of a family. That's who and what you are. Moms do most of the work. 
and you get out of their way and let them manage things and those types of things. But at the buttress, that's what a man is. And if that doesn't work out, that's a significant trauma to them. And if they're unable when they desperately want to be in the lives, the, the be in the lives of their children, that's an extraordinarily traumatic thing. And then all the different systems and ways that the system is misused or works against them. So they truly are in, in a form of trauma. PTSD, that, that is my experience in dealing with so many of these men. And I, I have had fathers come to me who are suicidal. They, they okay. talk about it, or I can tell they are. And so then I have to address that, you know, let them know, okay, this is what I'm saying. You need help. And I'll look up here in your area. You need to reach out to these people. I can talk them through some things. And we do know there, there's study and research out there that indicates that uh, single fathers, separated families have a much significantly higher suicide rate than the mothers do. Really? Yes. Wow. That's heartbreaking. Yes. Um, I, I liked what you said at the very beginning where, you know, even though this is the dad's resource center, that your goal is to have, you know, co-parenting and that the dad offers certain things to the kids and that the mom offers certain things to the kids and that they need both. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, th- I think that's a very foundational thing. You need you need both parents because they offer you different perspectives. They let you see things differently. And I think that's important later in life for having relationships your own personal relationships, whether it be a spouse or a friend, they are foundational in learning how um, to have those relationships. How do you interact with uh, your father is how you're going to interact with men. How you interact with your mom is how you're going to interact with women. So I think these are really important uh, topics that you're bringing up. And and I, I think it's very um it's just very telling about the times we live in. We need to talk about things that maybe, you know, men didn't talk about 50 years ago. You know, you can, you can still be strong and ask for support. Um, and support is different than help. <laughs> support right. is a very different thing. So I, I, I love the, the topic. I, I think it's, I think you have a really good thing here and I, I like it a lot. I like the idea of having that perspective so we have a few minutes before we take a break. Um, is there any uh, any way that if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how could they get in touch with you? How could they get in touch with the Dad's Resource Center? Well, our website is dadsrc.org. So Dad's Plural Resource Center, dadsrc.org. And so you can go to our website. Uh, there's contact information there. Uh, but honestly, uh, Jeff, at dadsrc.org. If anyone would like to just email me directly, that's fine. Um, you know, we will talk to anyone uh, about this issue. Uh, there's not a lot, like I said, outside the state of Pennsylvania, I, I can't be of a great amount of help to anyone. I certainly would be willing to, to have this platform to talk about the issue. Um, yeah, so. I, I appreciate that because uh, I know that every state is different. Um, I, I I know that every state has different challenges, and and I think it's it's good to have somebody that who's you know been in that situation to support you if you need some help. So if you're uh, a dad and you're not getting the time that you need with your kids, um, give Jeff a call or give him a shoot him an email and and see if there's some ways that he can support you. Is there a phone number that people can call Jeff? Um, 
There is. It's a voicemail. Just give me a second. I'll pull it up. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, while you're looking that up, um, I just want to tell our listeners, thank you for listening. Without your uh, listening, we wouldn't be here. So I, I want to give a quick shout out to everyone in the U.S., specifically Arizona and California who listen to me. You are awesome. Thank you. And I really appreciate those in China and the Netherlands. Uh, you guys uh, really, uh, you know, we in Ireland, we have listeners all over the world. So thank you for listening to us. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can subscribe to our magazine, Executive Function Magazine there. And you can also um, contact me if you're interested in coaching or if you're interested in learning more about the radio show. So um, if you have that number ready, Jeff, feel free to go ahead and let the listeners know. 833-323-7748. And that is our voicemail. It's 833-323-7748. Thank you so much, Jeff. So thank you for being on the show. This is Jeffrey Scott Steiner from the Dad's Resource Center of Central, the Central Administrator for Pennsylvania Greater Father Family Involvement Campaign. And we will be back after these messages. Thank you for listening. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Bozzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at Executive Function Coach AZ.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking to Jeffrey Scott Steiner. He's the Executive Director of Dad's Resource Center and Central Administrator for Pennsylvania Greater Father Family Involvement Campaign. So, welcome back, Jeff. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's nice to have you. I, I really appreciate the different perspective that you bring. Um, I, I think it's great that you offer a resource for fathers 
when they need support because not everyone um, will seek help. And I think it's great that you offer it um, for individuals who are going through a difficult time. I, I think everyone could use support. And, and I think it keeps people in, in a place where they know that they can make it through this difficult challenge. And, um, you know, I, I think support makes a huge difference. So let's talk a little bit about what are the stages that all separated families go through? I, it seems to me from what we were talking about earlier during the break, that this is something that everyone goes through. So if we could talk about that a little bit, that would be really nice. Absolutely, Fazia. So real quickly, just to highlight it, the three stages every separated family goes through uh, is the family reorganization stage, the co-parenting stage, and then ultimately the personal growth stage. Um, Now, each of those stages, there's a, a basic question or some questions that need to be answered. And so the family reorganization stage is just at the initial point that there's a separation of some kind, whether it's a divorce, if it's a married couple or they're unmarried couple that they're, they're moving out or whatever it may be. And the questions that need to be answered during this phase are, where will the children be and when and how will they be supported? So those basic things that you need to sort out and figure out uh, for the children. Now, there are times when both parents know and agree uh, that they must go their own ways. Um, in these situations, there will be some degree of relief perhaps even affection and love, uh, and the parents work out where their children will be on their own. Um, But there are times when there are major disagreements about uh, who who should have the children and when, as well as other practical uh, aspects of bringing the children up, such as their medical care, their education, uh, and how they will be supported financially. Uh, The more contentious this is, the more likely the parents will need some sort of intervention someone outside of them to be able to help them work it out. And so there there are uh, private, public, religious, governmental, uh, legal, and court systems uh, that can uh, help assist parents uh, in making the transition into a separated family. The the number one thing, right, and I'm banging this drum more loudly every time uh, we talk about this, is that parents cannot rely on the family court system. They can't let it drag out in the family court systems. And the family court systems can't let parents do that because when that happens, it, it, it all goes sideways. So that use the interventions initially in that family reorganization phase to figure out where the kids are going to be and all of that. And then that initial uh, transition into the co-parenting stage, but don't rely on the family courts to sort out your differences because you got to do it on your own. So how, how long does it normally take for, uh, you know, um, the courts to resolve an issue typically? Do you know? Well, uh, yeah, that's that's a heck of a good question. Uh, courts, even pre-COVID, courts move slowly on these things, depending on the size of your county, the judges, those types of things are caseloads. Uh, it doesn't move quick. Um, like, does the average divorce or separation or whatever take a year? Does it take six months? I mean, how, how long does... Uh, a family typically have to be involved in the courts? If it's not overly contentious, six months to a year to just get through everything, the more contentious it is, the more it drags out. 
And that's why I'm saying like a, a court, no more than a year and a half or two years. And courts got to just say, no, you guys, you know, we're going to make some decisions on this. So I would say just if it isn't particularly contentious, six months to a year. Um, the, the second stage is co-parenting. And the question that needs to be answered during this stage is how do we make it work? Okay. We know where the kids are going to be and when, right? Those types of things. Um, and it can be, this is where there's some variation. You know, if, 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 if it's going to flow naturally, there's an agreement on the separation and people aren't, the mom and the dad aren't getting hung up on things. This period won't last that long, but this is where people tend to get stuck. Um, and again, it's important to say parenting is not a one person job and both parents should be looking at it that from that perspective, uh, even though they're separated, you can't what do this alone. Right. What are some of the things that they get stuck on? What, what are some of the things that, um, cope, you know, that, that kind of keep them from moving forward in their plan? By and large, it's someone hanging on to the relationship in some way. That's my observation. You know, if you can't let go of the other person, whatever it is with it, and I don't want to get into anything beyond that, but it's more about not just being able to let go of the relationship or the person and then it becoming toxic and dysfunctional. So the co-parenting really has nothing to do with the kids. It has to do. Okay. I, in my head, I was thinking schedules. I was thinking like maybe one person works nights or one person works days. Like, would that be a problem? But you're, you're saying it has more to do with their relationship. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's very good. That's a very good fine point. I think you fine tune some of those aspects of where and when and those things and being flexible during the co-parenting stage. But more than anything, it's about the relationship between mom and dad. Right. That's what okay. that's what it is. That, thank you. That's actually insightful. No, I, yeah. Go on. I'm, I, I don't. Mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So go ahead. Okay. All right. Um. And then personal growth. You said was the third one. We'll, we'll st- stay with the co-parenting phase. Okay. This is where communication is vital. So if there's a separation, again, sometimes it can be friendly in nature, but oftentimes there's some hurt feelings or some things that one or the other or both have done to each other that there are hard feelings, right? You have to let that beside you and take a mindset of this is our shared interest to children and we need to work together as a team to be able to do this on behalf of our shared interest. And you have to be able to find um, grace, compassion, acceptance, flexibility, selflessness, and generosity towards the other person. I mean, even to that extent, you need to be affirmative towards that person in some way to be able to have that co-parenting relationship, to be able to effectively be there for your, your, your children and start to transition into a functioning separated family. So even, yeah, so even though you may not want to live with them and be married to them or have a relationship with them anymore, at some point you did love them. So you have to do something out of love. You have to take care of these kids out of that, that relationship. And that's a good point, too. If you can tap back in to some of those things that you had that worked and was meaningful, yes. And let go of some of the things that are painful and hurtful and that you want to hold on to. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Uh, in, this, in this period of time, you need to understand, and this is the larger perspective, but all parents make mistakes and have their shortcomings. 
Um, but when a separated mother and father become overly reliant on the legal and court systems to sort out their differences and become uh, attached to the, the, the seeming or assumed shortfalls or misgivings or things that they're doing, if the more you get hung up on those things, the more that hurts the children than anything you individually can do to the children yourself. Right. So whatever, you know, as a father, you may not pay attention to something related to a child's health. And that's important. But the worst thing you could do as a father is somehow do something uh, negatively impactful towards your wife and being caught up negatively towards your wife in a way that it negatively impacts your children and drags out the process to effectively moving on to a separated family. That's the biggest damage that either parent can do beyond what you could directly do to your. Your, your children. Um, and by committing to finding a way to collaboratively co-parent, mom and dad can also become happier and healthier themselves than being caught in their own negative, toxic relationship, right? Then they, now they have a new perspective. They have a new, new thing to focus on. It's no longer each other. It's the kids. That's right. And even though oftentimes you, you, you get together with someone else, you have a fiance or you get remarried. If you're still stuck in that toxic relationship with your ex, it drags down the current relationship that you have and you're limiting your own ability to be able to move forward in your life. Right. Right. Now, end of the day, who really loses is the children because the children can never move forward into a separated family until the parents do it themselves. So that the, the children are caught up in this, this, they're in a in between heaven and heck, right? Because yeah. their parents aren't able to move beyond. So ultimately the parents are holding the children back because they can't resolve themselves and move on until the parents are able to do that themselves. And so then the final stage would be the personal growth period, which for the parent, it's what does it look like to me now, right? How does all of this look now? And so again, the relationship is over. You're co-parenting nicely. Now the, the personal growth starts. And you can live your own life and the children can live their own life. Because now, like, so when you're caught in this thing with the courts, I mean, children don't even know necessarily where they're going to be on a full-time basis. Like there's a lot of things hanging over their heads when all of this occurs. So, um, uh, once you can establish that working partnership that results in routine without conflict, children can begin to experience relief and are able to heal and start to evolve themselves. Um, and again, communicate in a flexible and gracious manner. Um, and it's important that they live their own separate lives. Uh, children may live in, in different places, but they must figure out how to balance their attention between their parents. And again, if the, all these things aren't certain, they can't do that. You know, they can't get to that phase until the parents have sorted things out for themselves. Um, and I think it's know. important for them to see their parents co-parent appropriately and and to have a relationship that's not hostile because that's their that's their representation of what a relationship looks like. Absolutely. And so that's going back to core uh, role modeling, right? Kids are always watching us. Everything goes down to modeling behavior, doesn't it? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, and then ultimately when you clear out of it, that's right. They can say, okay, they worked through something that was difficult and this is how I can do this. And I yeah, see even, how it's done. Exactly. Even though they decided to no longer be married, no longer live in the same house, they're still cordial to each other, still taking care of us. And that's the thing. I, as a child, need to know that my needs are being met. 
That's right. That's right. And the focus on the children. That's where it should be. Absolutely. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what is the impact on children if their parents are not able to work together um, in, a, in an appropriate manner? Okay. So again, my, my first career, I did direct service. So I dealt with some of these things as a direct service worker. Now, during the pandemic, one of the things that the fathers we, we encounter have a hard time with is if they are in a situation where they need to have supervised visits to be able to not have supervised visits with their children, which can be challenging even before the COVID. But when COVID, everything got put on hold with service providers and they couldn't do that. So to help out some of my fathers, I, I supervised some visits. And this brought me back to my prior experience. One particular case where it actually was a mother was a doctor uh, and the father was a counselor. So they were professional people, right? But they had been in this highly contentious court, family court thing for over half a decade. And I did the math, there are three children, the youngest of which had spent over two thirds of her life in a contentious separated family. Like I, I added this up when I reported this back to the court for the children, right? So I supervised eight visits with this father and his children. And so they went out for dinner, I was eating dinner with them. When they went to the park, I was at a park with them. They went to a pool, in a, at a hotel, he got a hotel room with his fiance to go swimming at the pool. I actually had to go to the hotel room while the kids went into the bathroom in the hotel room to change back and forth. And it got me to thinking, what is the experience for the children when they go through all of this? And this is where I came around to this and what I try to talk to people about. Before, long- you, before you go to that, can you explain to our listeners what um, a supervised visit is and why someone would have a supervised visit? Well, under different circumstances, uh, there may have been some sort of issue of abuse or neglect or some concern that the courts have, recommendation from children and, uh, children's services. But in this situation, it was just the acrimony going back and forth between the mother, the accusation of parental alienation, those types of things. So the father had to do super. He never had abused. No one made any accusation of any kind of abuse to the children or anything like that. They said, oh, he's a great father. But he had to do supervised visits to not have supervised visits. That's what was going on in this situation. Um, okay. And that's what the judge had said based on the recommendation from the mother's attorney. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. I'm sorry yes. to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> that's okay. So <clears throat> what happens is, so I put myself in the shoes of these children and I didn't talk to them about this. This is just my observation. Um, they're constantly put in a position to have to pick and choose between mom and dad in these types of situations. They worry and they do, they own it. They worry that what they will say will result in conflict between mom and dad, whether it's about them or not. They, kids almost always own it in that regard. They're frustrated by the persistent negotiations or complete rigidity about how and when they spend times with either the mother or father. Like prior to all of this, dad said, hey, let's hop in the car and go watch a baseball game. And they just, now it's some sort of major negotiation for dad a week ahead, just their mom or whoever. They don't want this with mom and dad. Um, They're being exposed to the necessity of having other people like this Jeff guy following them down the around to their visits with their fathers, guardian ad litems, judges, you know, sometimes they got to go into court and the judge and they mean well and they do the best they can. But who's this person in a black robe that everyone genuflects with asking me about these situations? What kid wants to be in that type of situation? Yeah. Why are all these people involved in my personal life? Right. You know? Yeah. 
I, that's surreal for a it's child. Very, very intrusive. Very intrusive. Um, and being exposed to the never-ending seeming life and death battle where ultimately a judge determines where they're going to be and when. Um, and then no resolution with regard to the access of their parents or more fundamentally, even their living situation. I mean, if, if it goes a certain way, they could end up at one per- person's place, you know. So there's this complete uncertainty uh, to them. So it's yeah. just, it, so it's very just, stressful. That's right. It, it's the, the children are the ones who absolutely lose out when these things get drug out in family court like this. I agree with you. I think it's, it's really sad. Um, but now that you've explained to us what a really difficult situation looks like, can we talk about what it looks like when separated parents do it correctly? Sure. Um, again, and the point I had made earlier about finding grace and, and patience, you know, that has to be there. Like if, if you're both in that space, these things occur. And again, I'm going to bang the drum. No family courts, right? If you're doing it right, you're not going, having to go to judges and attorneys to do it out of the gates. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that makes for a much better uh, overall experience for the kids, as well as for the parents, as well as for the extended family. I think if you can lean back on the fact that you once cared about this person and, and your relationship isn't working, but you still have to be in that same relationship in a different way, then I think I think it might be hard, but it, it's still workable. And I think it's important to keep the courts out. I agree with you. Absolutely. And you, you've mentioned this a couple of times, extended families. Grandparents get beat up over this too. God oh. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, the relationship is not just about the parents and the kids. I mean, there's cousins, there's aunts and uncles, there's grandparents, there's all kinds of other people in our lives. We're we don't exist on islands where it's just, you know, two parents and two kids. It's, it's extended family. It's friends. There's a lot of people that get impacted by these relationships not working. The ripple effect. That's, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about what it looks like if they're doing it right. And we, we just have about three minutes left. So let's, let's right. wrap it up nicely and make it beautiful at the end. All right. All right. I'll, I'll stick the landing as best I can. <laughs> Well, first, kids come first, right? That That's the focus. It, it, it always has to be about what is in the best interest of the children's. Um, parents agree, right? So on, on the basic things, um, uh, just in terms of their education, medical issues, those types of things, find, work with each other to, to agree on things um, in, in addition to where they are when. Um, flexibility has to be there. You know, if something pops up and you, you're, it, it's your time with the children, you need to call the other parent to say, hey, can you fill in here, right? Don't go get a babysitter or something like that, right? You got to have flexibility um, and roll with the punches and involve your, your partner in raising these children when you need to uh, and when situations arise. I like that you say that is still your partner in raising those children. That's, yeah. that's the most important thing. That is that permanent partner you can't get rid of. Your shared, uh, valuable, <laughs> most valuable thing uh, that both of you have in your lives. Absolutely. Uh, respect is shown in that, you know, it, the little things like getting birthday presents for the other parent, right? Holidays, making sure you're getting gifts again for the extended grandma and grandma and the other the side of the family, those types of things. That, that res- respect, going the extra 
a little bit to really uh, keep the connectivity going. Exactly. They may not want to get those gifts for those people, but it's about showing your children how to actually interact with people and value those relationships. I think that's very important. I really, I'm really glad you came on the show today. I'm glad that you were able to uh, express your um, perspective, and and I hope that your um, uh, your I don't know what to call it your resource center. <laughs> I hope it grows, and I, I hope that you are willing and able to support many people in the next years following. I, I think you have a very good and very valuable service to offer. Uh, would you like to give your information one more time? So if anyone needs to contact you, they know how. Like, Absolutely. Okay. Uh, org. That's our website, dadsrc.org. Uh, my uh, uh, email is jeff at dadsrc.org. Our voicemail is 833-323-7748. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jeff. He's the executive director and of Dad's Resource Center, Central Administrator for Pennsylvania Greater Father Family Involvement Campaign. If you need to get in touch with him, please do so. Um, He seems like a very nice guy, and I think he would definitely do whatever he could to support you. If you're looking to get in touch with me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can email me there. You can also um, subscribe to our magazine, Executive Function Magazine. Our next issue comes out April 10th. So um, if you are interested in getting a copy, um, make sure you subscribe. And um, you can also look at our YouTube channel on the website as well as the the radio show. So you can listen to this podcast anywhere you, you listen to podcasts. And once again, I just want to thank our listeners from around the world. Without you, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you so much. And thank you, Jeffrey Scott Steiner, for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you, ma'am. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.